man, look at this place. Oh, it looks more like a, a country club than a nursing home. Nice grass, nice people. And I hope you brought your bathing suit. Everybody. Welcome back to Nice Grass, Nice People. Kyle Serlo here, once again joined by my good friend, noted nice guy, Mr. Andrew Whiting. Senor, good evening. Good evening. I'm just happy to be back. Two for two is solid for me after years of a drought. Two for two is nice. I will say, you know, um, you know, everybody's got their opinion, but I did receive like a lot of really good feedback from our last podcast, so we figured, why not just do it again? You know, I, I, I do love doing podcasts in person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's so many guys that just don't live here that I like to do podcasts with that it's just a matter of necessity and I still have a great time. But, man, getting, getting in the same room, you know, th- throwing a few back, mm-hmm. it's just real nice. Yeah, it feels like... Uh, it's a nice podcast. They're nice people. <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, man, what's uh, what's good with you? I, I, I know that there's some uh, some serious golf stuff going on in your life right now that oh, I'm, really, I'm really curious to pick your brain about, most notably that the... About to have a new set of weapons. Yeah, man. Bag. I am like beyond excited for this moment. I feel like <laughs> there's there's several aspects of my current set that are best described as Frankenstein in many ways. So, why don't you tell us about your current <laughs> set here, real quick? Because I we, we we've brought you up on the podcast before. Yeah. You know, notably with my good friend and uh, frequent co-host, Mr. Chris Durr. Yes, uh, we shared a story about you from our trip to <laughs> Band of Dunes last year, where. He he was pretty fired up. He he was upset yeah. with how things transpired. And uh, for anybody who wants to hear that whole story, uh, it was an episode with Chris from a few months back. But you know, essentially, I, th- I think even until now, you you how long have you been playing without a pitching wedge in your bag? <laughs> uh, for what feels like an astronomical amount of time, it's been about two years. Two years. I was going to ask you if you had eclipsed the one year mark. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not like it's a critical club or anything. It's not. It's not like 130 <laughs> yards is like a, a pretty stock yardage you have into a lot of greens. What I will say is that the nine iron has never been more versatile. Yeah, okay? I mean it has to be. You want to talk about a weapon? <laughs> Catch me with a nine iron anywhere between 110 and 150. Are Are you going to be able to take this nine iron out of the bag when the new set comes in? You, yeah. You, oh, yeah. you guys have just built such a such a great you know no. rapport with one another. It's all love between me and the nine iron, but I really sure. really miss having. A pitching wedge. It is a very usable club in many ways, and having to alter that for the nine is tough. But you know, I'll, I'll do. It. I made it work for a while, so I'm looking forward to a refresher. But yeah, I got like a six iron from another set. It's like a t- nine, early 2000s Titleist, which is actually like just just for fun. Like you were like, you know what? I just need to no. mix it up with a sick non. <laughs> you know, just a, there's something just about a nice 18 year old six iron that really just tick, tickles me and. and no? I, no, I mean, it, I like <laughs> truthfully, it is by far my favorite iron in the bag now, which is wild. But That's so sick. We, yeah, we played. We were playing together. I had taken my six iron out of my bag because somehow the face had become concave on it. So there was like a... It was like, like it dep- wasn't cracked, though. It was no. just like... It was like depressed. Like it, hmm. it, like, it was just... Yeah, it had this it, a shape to it that was no longer. You just flat. you literally just beaten it to death. It was just... another reason why I needed some new irons for sure. But so magically, I take the six iron out of my bag, and like a round later, we go play Hiddenbrook and Vallejo, and we find one on a course, and I, I put it in my bag to return at the clubhouse, and they I forgot to, so I called them when I got back to my house, and I was like, hey, I got this six iron, so if anybody calls in. Let me leave my info, and I have a, a club box. I can just ship it directly to them. Like mm-hmm. I, I messed up, but so no one ever called. I always had it. Re- I just kept it in my bag because I didn't have a six iron, and so you're a good I, Samaritan. You had it at the ready. I was ready to send it. That was genuine, and but then I started to swing it, and I was like, man, I hope this guy doesn't call this <laughs> call me and want this <laughs> club back because this is like my favorite club. Like I'm more confidence with that than any of the other ones. Do, do you recall exactly what the model number of that title of six iron is that you have? No, but it's like. Because I do remember when you were talking, <laughs> when you first started hitting it, you're like, brother, 
I don't understand how I love this club so much. And we started looking for used sets of those for you. I still have a couple like bookmarked, and I I seriously am considering just a couple it. hundred bucks for a set of yeah. like like two thousand. You know, these are like Titleist cavity back irons from like two thousand two, two thousand three. Like, just, dude, so awesome. Just a gem, and it was it. It also had a, a slightly bigger grip on it, like a mid-sized grip, which sure. I found way more comfortable. So this club was just like a Rosetta Stone for my golf <laughs> game, dude. It was like, and uh, surprisingly, because I have a good friend who was able to help me on some clubs, I went with TaylorMade. But truthfully, I wonder what it would be like if I actually went and got, you know, like I knew I was going to get a TaylorMade discount, so I didn't get a club champion fitting or something like that. Sure. I went to Golf Mart, so I got like the knockoff club champion fitting. Sure. I told him, I was like, look, I'm not going to buy them here, but. I got a discount. They were like, "Oh, we'll 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 set you up for sure." That sounds like a great deal. So, and the thing is, though, like at Golf Mart, you can like really strike gold. So, I mean, if you're listening to this in Southern California, I think Roger Dunn or something like that. You know, all, yeah. all those like big worldwide golf shops. Yeah, yeah. You can get lucky. There are just like some rogue like master fitters working at Golf Mart. Yeah. My good friend Danny Hasselroth, who's been on this podcast uh, a couple times before, he was like a master fitter at Golf Mart, and he is dialed. Like, I I don't know if I know anybody personally. That knows more like about golf clubs and fitting than he than he does. He's a savant. So uh, there's a good chance, you know. I shouldn't say good, but there's at least a halfway decent chance that the fitting he ended up getting the golf mart in some ways would be just as good as anywhere else. And if you yeah. have a sweet discount with like a certain club company, you're like, hey yeah. man, I I just know I'm gonna get this. So like, let's find the best one. That's, yeah. You know, I I would be shocked if there was another club out there that it would make more than a one to two percent difference over what you're getting with. With with TaylorMade's new, yeah. brand new nice TaylorMade's that are fitted to you. Yeah. You know by the I mean? for the record, I'm getting the P770s extended one inch, three degrees up for those who care. Sure. And as it turns out, the M3s that I have right now, also TaylorMade, I got in like 2018. I looked back at what the Golf Mart fitting was then mm-hmm. to confirm it, and it was the same exact measurements. And so it was like, all right, well, I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna switch it up. So, but uh, yeah, that makes perfect. So are you? I mean, where are we on the excited scale? Oh, my God. I'm peaking. This is, like, the f- probably the nicest thing I've bought myself, I, like, in a very long time. Like, I, I mean, I you know, I had to buy, buy buy a car. That's not really, like, it's like a necessity, yes. This is the nicest luxury I've ever bought myself. I treated myself, and yeah. I have zero regrets. I couldn't be more excited. I've got, like, I. this is the best part. They said it was going to arrive Monday, and I checked again today, and they're going to arrive tomorrow friday no and i'm going to play poppy hills this weekend so i feel like when i last talked to you yesterday <laughs> yep that's what it was. And, you, and you gave me a quick update when you told me the clubs were supposed to arrive on monday yeah just not quite in time for your golf trip this weekend it was a bummer but i was also like hey man you know like hey let's let's have a little farewell tour with the with the m3 yeah. you know let's let's give them one last you know, you're playing for the most part pretty good golf right now yeah um I will yeah. say, when you get those irons on Friday, assuming they come, you know, there's just no psychological possibility that you could not put them into your bag, right? No, I was texting our good friend Tom, and I was like, I told him I bought the clubs, and he was stoked. And I was like, I'm playing Poppy Hills this weekend. Like, I'm a little nervous to swing them, like, right off the rip and just get out there. But what is the point of having these dope clubs that I have waited to get myself for a long time if I'm not going to go swing them at one of the coolest golf courses I've played? Like, it just seems so stupid. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna swing them for I, sure. I'm not going to tell you the story to dissuade you from doing that because if oh, I'm in God. your position, I've, I've proven yeah. that I will do the same thing. So when I got my current set of irons, yeah, yeah. Um, it was the first time I had been custom fit for irons as an adult. Mm-hmm. It's first, jeez, uh, yeah. It's like 20 years. I, I got I got fit for a set of irons in high school, you know, back when I was on the on the parents' payroll, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Just for the record, how did, does everybody know how long you've actually played golf? Do you know? I think I played my first 18-hole round of golf when I was six years old at Bodega. I still kind of remember it because That's as six, sick. I was like super amped up. Me and my dad had talked about playing 18 holes for the first time. Yeah. We went out to our home course, Bodega Harbor, here in, you know, on the coast of Sonoma County. Yeah. And... We get there, and they told us that we were going to be starting on the back nine. Six-year-old Kyle lost it. <laughs> I can't tell you why. <laughs> Six-year-old Kyle was so devastated that the very first 18-hole round of golf of his life didn't get to start on the first hole, that I had to basically do it backwards. <laughs> I had it built up in my mind for so long it was going to go a certain way, and wow, my six-year-old brain just couldn't handle it. It, 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 was, it was really difficult for me to pivot 
Now, has has it ruined my enjoyment of, of the game for the rest of my life? I'd, I'd like to think not. It appears not. But I do remember at the time, it was it was a tough scene out there. Dude, I feel like, I, I was I was rattled. I mean, <laughs> I can only imagine a six-year-old psychology, you know, like, but the, I, you can, you can imagine being as amped as possible about doing something, something mm-hmm. that like, you know, your dad does religiously is getting you excited about sharing Although, that at experience. the time, my pop was pretty shitty at golf. Like, uh, it's weird because my dad obviously loves golf. He started yeah. a golf magazine. Like, he, he, there's nothing really he loves more in the world more than golf outside of like his family right yeah yeah and but he like didn't really start playing golf regularly like until i was born essentially and i think when i was like a little kid and i was like first starting to play yeah he was shooting high 90s you know like something like not breaking 100 with a lot of consistency okay like you know so he like you know but but he loved it you know how did i not know this yeah he just felt like your dad was playing golf like since you this is the age you started playing no. So no, he picked this up. He was just a, an absolute. And dude, he, I mean, like ever, like anybody else that doesn't, doesn't, you know, didn't start playing golf until like their thirties, he just beats himself up all the time. Especially because he had some fucking amazing opportunities to play golf as a kid. Like my my grandparents, his you know, my dad's parents mm-hmm. played like golf his whole life. He just yeah. never wanted to go play golf with them. Understandable, <laughs> you know, as, as a kid or a teenager. Sure, you know? yeah. Especially uh, the the rebellious type like Rico Suave of course. You know, was. Of course. Um, he. He went. He lived in Brentwood, so he lived like yeah. you know a block away from the O.J. Simpson house, right? But he's he's grown up in Brentwood in the '60s. Sure. And his high school's home course was Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> that sentence seems so peculiar. It's like unbelievable, dude. Yeah. So like his, his Riviera was only like a literally like a 12 minute walk from his front door Whoa. to get to the gate of Riviera. His high school team's home course never played it. Not once. Not once. Is there a regret level that comes up? I mean, he did tell me he enjoyed it. I mean, him and his, you know, buddies in high school used to go, like, hop the gate and, you know, drop a bunch of acid and, like, hang out on the golf course, like, all night. Nice. So he has enjoyed the grounds. Okay. that's There's nice grass out there. There's a lot of nice, there's a lot of nice grass there. Sounds so, I like mean, he had some nice people, you know? He, he, had, he had one of the boxes checked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, eventually he got there. Um, yeah, Damn. I don't really know where this going, but I, I digress. Back on the, the irons. Wait, no. Well, the answer was how long have you been playing golf oh, since, since you were I'm six? I'm 35 years old, so yeah. it's 29 years. Damn, dude. Yeah. I have a question for you, dude. Sure. Why aren't you better? <laughs> <laughs> I actually have, like, several good <laughs> good answers to that. One, I'm not super long. I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not long, like, at all. All right, dude. I believe like, you. <laughs> Why you gotta yell at me? <laughs> I... God, it just fucking broke my heart. I was watching, and again, I apologize if I've said this on the podcast before. I was watching a video where someone was talking about, and it might have been Scotty Scheffler, was talking about how Tiger Woods was just like flushing irons and not taking any divots. Yeah. And he's like trying to, you know, trying to hit the ball high. He's like, why aren't you taking any divots? Yeah, he's like, why aren't you taking any divots? And don't need to. Tiger said something on, like, in his response, he said something where, like, honestly, man, like, anybody can hit down on the ball and hit the ball low. Like, it doesn't really take a lot of skill. And Hmm. I felt attacked. Because that's my entire golf swing. <laughs> I, I, I'm like I'm the exact opposite of a flusher. Like I uh, I hit down on the ball. Like my ball flight is super low. Like when I hit when I'm hitting the driver well, yeah, it's probably still only traveling like 230 yards in the air. So if I get if I get like wintertime, yeah, I get like to a wet lazy. golf course. Like I'm the opposite of long. Like I I'm actually pretty short off the tee. Now you get me in like summer conditions, especially on a place like Bannon, where the ball is running out. You know, I'm, if I'm hitting like. 230 carry missiles yeah they're getting like 70 80 yards a roll and all of a sudden yeah i'm long just like anybody else but well i mean i feel like in those scenarios you hit laser beams too though like you're conditioned by lynx golf because you played so much of bodega which is as close as it gets to you know links out here sure. and then obviously there's an affinity for van and dunes and and gamble sands and these courses that emulate that play and then of course your pilgrimage back to scotland yeah. as a young boy it, you it does it <sighs> Again, it's not like a conscious thing that I do. Yeah. But having like played so much of like my childhood in the wind, I just always just kind of assumed that like a low ball flight was good. Yeah. So I I never really made any effort to like hit the ball high. I've still never made any effort to like change my swing to hit the ball high, even though all the metrics say that's what you should be doing. But I'm just not that kind of guy, dude. <laughs> dude, don't let people tell you how to live. Yeah, okay. I appreciate First that. First of all. <laughs> Second of all, Maybe it's worth a try. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've seen you hit the ball pretty far a couple times. Yeah, like, it's usually not the same ball flight. Yeah, like uh, like our our buddy, our mutual friend Chris Jackson, who we've been playing with a little bit lately. Yeah, yeah. You know, our our golf swings are very different. Like our ball flight's very different. Right? Like he 
like I, I wouldn't say like Chris is like long, but you know when he's sitting in his driver well, he's carrying it like two fifty, two sixty maybe. Yeah, he can but it's like you well. know, but he has a nice high ball flight with the driver. It hits the ground and just kind of like you know takes a hop or two and stops. Yeah, and yeah, it's just like one of those things where if we're playing in summertime, I can usually get him by like twenty to twenty five yards. Yeah, and then wintertime rolls around and he'll have me by fifteen twenty yards. Yeah. <laughs> It's give and take of the the low ball. When when you're playing like a great, when you're playing in like a Bandon style course, and you hit those low ones. That is when the tables sort of turn in your favor because that is so much less dangerous for you than being up in the wind. And the ball, you know, there's tons of impediments like the rolling hills of the actual fairway, but it also just it allows for the ball to funnel into different places, you sure. know, and then some of those I'm sure are intentionally good and some are intentionally bad. And so it's not like a total mystery to me anyway, that like, I do seem to like play well when I go to Bandon, right? Like I, I, yeah. I do post better scores there because it does set up to my golf game really, really well outside of the putting. Yeah. But you're, I don't know, dude, that's, I don't think that's true. I think you're harder on yourself for putting than like anybody because I feel like you also drain like putts and Bandon, I feel like especially is where you're on fire with that. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've had a couple of really good putting days abandoned. Yeah, man, I, I was mean, there for a couple of them, and it is astronomically impressive. It especially feels especially for someone like me who I misses know. like the nice little two foot birds. Yeah, little two foot birds. I would find a way to leave those short right now. <laughs> Dude, I got a new putter too. That's true. Tom, yeah. let me borrow his, his uh. The Scotty Cameron and uh. <laughs> Welcome to the cult, dude. Dude, yeah, I know it's it's been I've abstained for a while, but ever since I had the Pixel, you know, which for those of you who don't know is a. Uh, a no longer existing pixel, a, a great niche uh, golf, uh, you know, golf club manufacturer from the late, you know, nineties, early two thousands. Fledgling. They didn't last long. Them, them, and feel, them and feel golf were both short lived. But man, do they burn bright while they were here? Oh, well, I mean, there for I think to this day, the feel is ever present, right? I the, the Serlo family still has a couple <laughs> sets of feel irons in the garage somewhere that that can be broken out if we need to get humbled a little bit. Dude, I mean those things were pristine. They were matte. They had the matte black. Matte black, just like pure fucking like seventies blades, basically. Yeah, in like the mid, or in like the late nineties, like early two thousands, matte. Dude, now the, everything's matte. The sole of the club was like three quarters of an inch thick. Yeah, it looked like a ping pong paddle, just <laughs> kind of like tilted on the. It was. I Those mean, were awesome. Yeah, they were, they were sick. I mean, one of the things I think I'm most excited about with these irons is like, as anybody who gets new clubs is, there's a, a place that you are most excited to play, and that place is probably, obviously, I love Bene Valley, and that'll forever be like a top tier answer for everything golf related for me. But I cannot wait to play new clubs in Bandon after playing with this Band Aid set and like doing okay, you know, but just wondering like. What would it be like if I had a pitching wedge, and and that is actually a nice way to round back. Well, to I can what tell you what it, I can tell you what it would like to be a pitching wedge, given the fact that I let you borrow mine several times. I don't think you ever heard it further away than like four feet from the cup. That was uh, my teammate was heated. Sorry, yeah. sorry, bench, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was Rightfully fun to watch. So. It I was mean, fun to watch, dude. It was fun to it was fun to perform on that with that club. I don't know three of four shots that landed within like two feet, like. It was like three birdies and a par or something like that when I borrowed your club. So I understand why Bench was like, dude, stop giving him that club, please. <laughs> like, we are getting crushed right now. I mean, I didn't intentionally play like the, hey, we've known each other since the day we were born card, but like. You can play that card if need be. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say I wasn't ready, but like, it had already become almost like a habit whenever we'd played, you know, it'd be like, hey, can I, <laughs> can I use the P watch? Yeah. But. You better believe that on the first day that I get to play with our man Chris Durr, you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm I I hope that. I'm gonna are, say, you, are you even going to ask him to borrow the pitching wedge? Are you just going to take it out of his bag and swing it? <laughs> no, I'm going to say respectfully. Dude. Okay, <laughs> that's good. You mind if I swing? That respect tweet? is paramount out there. You know right? what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all it's all it's all about respect. First it's, of all, it's all about. But if you think I'm not going to ask nice to, people trying to play a nice game, dude. you think I'm not going to take the opportunity to ask to swing that twig? I I hope you do, and. Maybe we can trade for one. I, I feel like I should probably have the camera rolling. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Be a real dude. social media breakout. Well, it won't happen. <laughs> I, it won't happen. I understand his position, and I don't see any – there's nothing wrong about it. We were in tournament play, dude. We broke the rules because that was like the homie hookup. We just happened to be – competing and so it wasn't necessarily neither one of us won our flight though so i guess it ultimately yeah hey so i mean at least i got a couple birdies out of the mix yeah shouts to mr tappanis and mr recamper you know really nice performance by those guys last year at the suave cup um what what were we talking about before with sets and oh 
Yeah. Putting a new set in play this weekend. Yeah, man. Right? Yes. So when I got fitted for my set, it took me a long time because, like you, I had a buddy that worked at the club manufacturer that was able to kind of uh, or, order me up. some irons and, and get me a discount. So, but, you know, I wasn't going to push it. So, like, whenever he was actually able to put the order in, it was fine. It was like several months after, like, I'd got fitted. And when they finally showed up, I was so juiced. I put them in the bag immediately and I had a big round of golf the next day. So, this is, I believe. Really? Tw- I can't, I don't think it was last. How I don't long think it was last year. Irons? Like, two like years? Al- almost two years now. Yeah. And the next day, I was playing quite literally for my club championship at Bodega. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so like I put these new irons in the bag, and I'm going to play 18-hole match play for the club championship the next day out of Bodega for the <laughs> men's club. Powerful move. Now, granted, there was one thing that was out of my control. So basically, I got them, and I was like, man, they feel like a little shorter than I was like prepared for. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it, these are nice. How could I possibly play worse? These, these things are actually like made for me. Like The yeah. irons that I was playing before, uh, the Mizunos that I had, Just those were rack. off the shelf. Yeah, those those were not fitted for me, and so I was like, yeah. "How could this possibly be any worse?" I'm, I'm you know, let's go. Yeah, hit I'm the ball, hit the ball like shit, <laughs> all day, <laughs> like top topped like five balls in Oof. the club championship, which is just outrageous. Yeah, outrageous. Like I'm, I, I think I lost. That hurts to hear. God, I think I think I lost in the 16th hole. I think I lost like four and two. Like, I was down three. I was, like, dormy three, and then I lost 16 to basically, like, lose four and two. The back nine bites you again, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking back nine, man. I'm telling you. What is it with me in that Literally, nine? you didn't understand numbers, but it had yours, okay, dude? God, it still does, man. It's tough, dude. Uh, we got to pull you out of that. Turns out that my set was actually a half inch short Yeah. from what I ordered. I remember, yeah. And then actually, but, you know. Uh, Callie was great about it. I sent them back. They sent me a new set like right away. They were they were awesome about it. Yeah, no, um, I mean that's a. And that, but that, I was just so Jones that my first initial instinct, I I, I take them out. I'm like you know, yeah. you know, just dry firing in the backyard. You know, take getting some swings in. And I was like, man, they do feel pretty short. Like this is kind of crazy. Like I didn't think they were gonna. F- Should have just gone like you know, man. Let's wait. But yeah. that was but that was for a club championship, which I still think about obviously. Yeah, Every single day. seems to have pained you, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for you, on the other hand, a nice leisurely weekend with the pop. Yeah. I, th- I think there's there's just a no-lose scenario for you. I'm definitely going to put him in the bag. It's been so long, I I, I don't want to... I don't. If I have them in my possession, I don't want to swing other clubs. Like I, I think most, most people listening would understand exactly what I'm saying. It's like... But it is seriously... I'm, I'm like more excited about this than I have been about like a, a anything that I've given myself or something it like it's hard to I can't think of anything right now that ranks above this that I gifted myself so it's just a treat quick aside how do you Otis how, how do you how do you rate your holidays oh man by food like but if, 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 if it's by food you can use food as like the main like where, where like how do you rank like what's your favorite holiday like one mm. two three my favorite holiday I think it's still Thanksgiving because it's just same. Well, I mean, we spend Thanksgiving together, so we do, like we, we do spend Thanksgiving <laughs> together, getting drunk and watching football, and then leaving for Banadoons the very next day. So it's a very yeah. it's a very joyous time. It's just a po- like all kinds of excitement and being surrounded by a bunch of people that you know you you have a great time with and laugh with is is paramount. And then knowing you're going to do that for another week with a completely different group of people who are like, you know, everyone's also on the same exceptionally page. rad. And on the same page about maximizing the experience. And so, yeah, it's just hard not to have a good time during that period of time. I mean, I love Christmas, obviously, because Christmas is great. But, I mean, honestly, those are the two that rank, at, like, most for me. What other, like, Halloween doesn't really, I don't dislike Halloween, but I don't really, it doesn't do it for me. I'm not like a, I like Halloween, but I'm not like a Halloween guy. Like, there's some people that, like, Halloween's their holiday. Yeah, no, it's like a personality trait. Uh, it people go and that's one of those holidays that people go hard. Yes, not just on like di- like costumes themselves, but like the they get house, after it. The house, the displays of of people's homes over the years has gotten impressive. It's like Christmas 1.0, right before. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> it, people put lights on their house during Christmas. It's like now everybody's got like Halloween lawn ornaments, and it's impressive. It's, it's very right. impressive. So, would you rate tomorrow? Tomorrow's a holiday. Tomorrow's the day. It's the holiday oh. that you get. It's tomorrow's the holiday for you yeah. that you get to 
you know, if you're in a really good spot, maybe you get to celebrate once every five or six years. You know, for for a lot of people, maybe once every seven to ten years. Yeah. I mean, where does this holiday rate amongst Thanksgiving and Christmas? I would say this is because of its infrequent nature. Right now, I'm so pumped about it. Not just because I get to play them right away, but it's because I'm going to have them for like another five years. And I'm only going to get, hopefully, better at using them and understanding them. So it's like... I feel like it's the kickoff of a radical period of time that doesn't come nearly as frequently as the other two holidays. Mm-hmm. And I get to use them more frequently throughout the course of a year than the holiday presents itself anyway. So it's like, yeah, it's just something to look forward to for the thing that I'm already looking forward to. Like, I always want to allocate time to being outside. And, I, you know, I could take – we got Otis in here right now today. He's chomping on something. But if you don't know – Otis joins us when we play Bennett Valley or Windsor or Indian Valley, but he, uh, yeah, he's a part of the the foursome. He's a tremendous caddy, amazing etiquette. Honestly, I wanted, I would love to talk to like golf course operators and yeah. get like the main reason, like for golf courses that don't allow dogs, mm-hmm. like what is the main reason? Because like insurance, is it just like they just don't want to deal with it? They did like they think people are going to complain and they just don't want to like respond to those people. Like what? If you're if you're like, hey, my dog's well trained and like you can prove in some way, I, I don't know, like, how, like, hey, they're gonna be on leash, like you know, and they're well trained, like what? I, I just, I, I don't know. I it's a good question. I would love if more courses did. I'm actually surprised that this many courses do. Yeah, I do. I brought him out there when he was like a puppy and like tried to get him familiar with the fact that golf balls are like the only ball I don't want you to care about. Yes. You know, you can care about all the other ones, but just like leave these ones alone. And honestly, he doesn't. Like they don't, he doesn't move really at all. No, he's great. Like even some dogs when they play, like once you start your swing, they yeah. start to kind of like lose it a little bit. And I do, did he, he was kind of like that a little bit when he was super, super young, right? Where he yeah. get like pretty excited. But now dudes will be, you know, you'll be swinging your twig like three feet from him and he's just yeah, he's, cool as a cucumber. Yeah, he's always on the lookout for squirrels and deer, of which there are plenty. But those are much more important, anyway. <laughs> I know he's got a different game going on, but he's he loves himself a nice little six mile walk with the boys. And as I give him a little scratch right here in yeah, the old he's dojo, the, he's and he's you know at the end of the round, it's incredibly important we all shake Otis's hand, which he's prepared to do every time. It's great. So we we cap the round off every time by making sure everybody you know everybody in the group needs yeah it's etiquette, dude. It's just etiquette, and he he knows that, and so no, but it's a. Uh, it's fantastic. I don't know why, but it would be cool if there were more. I think it's probably because some people would maybe overextend what they hoped for with the rules there and, like, let their dog off leash or something like that. Like, oh, he's not a big deal. He can be off leash. I don't know. I mean, I couldn't do that confidently with Otis, but he has no problem being on one that's tied to the push cart. And yeah. Just, just go for a stroll. Both A couple of dudes barefoot walking around on earth. Just enjoying some nice grass with some, some <laughs> nice people and some nice dogs, dude. A nice dog. It's just a nice dog over here. Yeah. So uh, if you have a course, you should honestly, if, you, if there's a course nearby and you, you could take your dog out there and you feel comfortable doing it, it is great. It is great. Yeah. yeah it's really, really good. Everybody anytime, has a good time. Anytime your guy Otis joins us for a round of golf, that round is just infinitely more enjoyable. Yeah. He loves himself some a nice walk. He gets a little, it's great. He gets tired at the end of it. It's just, I don't know. Just The vibes are better when there's a dog nearby. Yeah. Indeed. Well, what do you think, man? Should we jump into like a couple couple news items real here quick Please, before we yeah. jump on the jump in the fairway think tank? I think so. I think so. Um, do you have any idea who Billy Waters is? Walters is. No. Apparently, he's one of the most uh, prolific gamblers uh, of the last you know thirty years. Okay. Right, he's just a big big gambling guy. Okay. I, I do believe he also did a five year stint in prison for some recently for insider trading. Oh, so kind of like uh, life gambling. Yeah, life gambling. Cool. Well said. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he's about to come out with a, a new book okay. where there is a whole section of this book dedicated to one Phil Mickelson. Oh, wow. Phil, noted uh, gambler, you know, yeah, lo- yeah. lover of gambling. A lot of a lot of Phil's stories have always been floating around for the last 20, 30 years. Um, and apparently there's a lot of a lot of juicy information in this Billy Walters book. Really? I, uh, well, I, I'd like to share with you some statistics that have uh, recently been revealed. Uh, that it, it looks like the book is scheduled to come out on August 22nd, mm-hmm. um, but they did release an excerpt, I believe, through Golf Digest and the Fire Pit Collective. Here's some gambling statistics that have been highlighted from this. Uh, this this has all been going around uh, on social media today, but I'm okay. guessing you have not seen it. And I for haven't. anybody who 
uh, is not on social media. One, good for you. Two, let me bring in the light here. So here's some just sample gambling statistics (laughs) from Phil Mickelson. 1,115. That is the amount of times Phil Mickelson bet $110,000 to win $100 in this, like, short span. So he's betting he's betting the favorites, right? He's betting he's putting $110,000 on the line to win 100,000. Whoa. 858. The amount of times Phil Mickelson bet 220,000 to win 200k. In what format are these bets happening? Are these just like I mean, stories these, these, alleged? No, no, these these are all just like, you know, sample like, you know, sports bets like, hey, you know, I'm, I want this team to win. They're plus 110 or they're minus, you know, they're minus 110, so you got to, you know, lay 110 <laughs> bucks down to win 100, right? Um so he Phil really likes, you know, betting himself, on, you know, betting himself just slight favorites. So these are outside of golf bets. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So these are like, like any any oh, kind of lot, any opportunity. Lot, I mean, he's betting on all sport. I mean, Phil just loves to gamble. Okay, I mean, he's okay. betting on boxing, baseball, football, I didn't know basketball. That he, I didn't know that it was everything. I thought that it was I thought that he was just a heavy gambler when he everything. was on the course, like a hustler. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> the amount of bets made in 2011. So apparently, this gentleman was handling, you know, was, I don't, I don't think he'd be characterized as Phil's bookie. Maybe he is. I don't know, but you know, he's involved with Phil. If I had to ask you, how many individual bets do you think Phil Mickelson made in the year two thousand eleven? The year two thousand and eleven. Okay. What would be your guess as to how many individual wagers Philip Mickelson (laughs) placed in the calendar year? All right, three hundred sixty-five. Keep in mind, there's only three hundred sixty-five days in a year. Was this a leap year? I'd say <laughs> it's a it's a real. Good I'm say. guessing no, because usually those are even years, right? Unknown. I would say, based on the stats that you just rattled off, I would say he bet. I feel like a thousand. I'm gonna say a thousand. You're going in the right direction. No way. Is in it the year more? 2011, Phil Mickelson allegedly placed. 3,154 individual bets, which uh, averages out to nine bets per day every day of the year. Wow. That's like a full-time job. He's a professional golfer, and he's got a full-time gambling job? I think they call those addictions, right? Yeah, this, I mean, it, yes. He, I think there's a gambling I think job. saying Phil is a gambling addict is, is a safe, is a safe yeah, place yeah. to start. I think I knew that before these stats, but that really nails it down. Uh one hundred and forty-three and a half thousand dollars. The amount lost by Phil Mickelson on June twenty-second, two thousand eleven, where he placed forty-three individual bets on Major League Baseball games. What? One oh. day, forty-three different bets on baseball. How much time does that take? Serious question, because I don't really bet. <sighs> like, if you had to guesstimate, I, I I will say, if sports gambling was legal in California, I would absolutely be doing it. But the fact that it's not, I don't want to try hard enough to figure, like, figure out. out like Bavada and like all the different stuff like that that you, you know our friends that live here do yeah yeah um but yeah. real talk how long does that take it's a long time that sounds like a like, lot I, I mean, of work it, i mean i feel like he's just kind of like looking at the board looking at odds like i like that 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 which is funny because like in order to be that dialed in you have to be like at least like to have that kind of confidence like placing bets like that you have to be so wired in and so dialed with the sport that yeah you actually yeah have, like the confidence and i think phil like yeah, obviously, like pays attention. Like, I don't think he's just placing all these bets with absolutely no- nothing. But like, he's a gambling addict. He's like, yeah, give me that, 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 that shit. Let's I mean, it. he has enough cash to basically do whatever he wants, right? I mean, well, allegedly, I heard there was some problems with that too. But like, if you have that much cash or you're bringing in that much money, mm-hmm. no, that still sounds fucked up. A hundred k, like average well, bets. They would said you say that how many at the time? Like at the time, this was all going down. It's reported that Phil Mickelson may have may have been making as much as sixty million dollars a year, between like endorsements, yeah, yeah, you know, like course earnings, all the different stuff like that. And I don't know if this is accurate, so please, if if you're out there and you can fact check this, please let us know. Either get us at on you know Suave Golf on social media, or you can write us at NiceGrass, Nice People at Gmail dot com. Um, he said basically the amount that Phil was gambling when he'd put like a hundred thousand dollars on a bet would be the equivalent compared to his income of somebody making $100,000 a year and placing like a $100 bet. But if you make $100,000 a year, are you placing 43 individual $100 bets over the course of a day? Unless you have just 
an absolutely life gripping fucking yeah like, i mean uh, i hope not i think I, I guess i hope not oh, but like man. real talk i, I kind of feel bad for fellas i was like man this dude was just like stuck this guy was in it what happens when you stop making that much money every year and you still have this obscene addiction to like you you sign a contract to play golf for the saudi arabian government for many many guaranteed <laughs> millions and millions of dollars to pay off yeah. whatever debts are still outstanding I, th- I think that's the you most. just do your best to try to live and let live dude. Yeah, exactly yeah that's tough it was really tough now one of the the headline that's been grabbing the most attention and again this is all alleged right and phil mickelson i believe has since come out with a statement today saying that this is not true but this is what is alleged in the book that's what i'd say too if i was doing that is that prior to the 2012 Ryder cup at medina which Mm -hmm. ended up being basically one of the ultimate comebacks in Ryder cup history where the united states had a huge lead over europe going into the last day of singles matches and the european team I think won like eight of the 12 matches and like halved another one to come all the way back and like beat the United States by a single point. It's like one of the greatest comebacks in Ryder Cup, modern Ryder Cup history, if not the greatest. Okay. Uh, before the Ryder Cup started, so all the guys were there playing their practice rounds. Phil Mickelson, and again, I say allegedly. Sure, yeah. Contacted this man, uh, Billy Walters, and asked him if he could place a bet for him. $400,000 for the United States to win the Ryder Cup. Oof. Phil Mickelson is playing on this team. Yeah, that seems sus. This is this is this is Pete Rose-esque behavior. That is definitely what that is. And of course this good man Billy Walters had the you know the the foresight to say no. No, man. I will not do, do that for I, you. Like I do you know what you're fucking doing? Like have you heard of Pete Rose? Like and so he refused to place the bet for him. He says I have no idea if Phil found somebody else to place the bet for him. Who fucking knows? Uh, and then Phil, like I said, has Phil, yeah. Phil came out with a statement, basically being like, "That's not true." Um, That's what I'd say too if somebody accused me of that. That's heavy, heavy, dude. And uh, today, that was pre- when 2011, 2000. Well, that was 2012. So I think you know the the time period that this gentleman like was dealing with Phil Mickelson. Yeah, from what I could read today, yeah, some you know pre you know 2016, 2017, you know probably for 10 years or so. Damn. Um, and today, they, they just started um, the PGA Tour playoffs today, which we'll talk about a little bit here. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Rory McIlroy was asked a question in his press conference today. I'm going to read it to you here. A reporter asked Rory McIlroy, the talk of the golf world today is this book excerpt that came out about Phil Mickelson. I'm curious what your reaction is, uh, what the reaction there was, you know, when, when, you, when you read everything. And Rory McIlroy's response I right, man. I mean, at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup this year. He's not going to be playing in it. Boom. <laughs> J. Cole, roasted. <laughs> That's a big roast. Uh, okay, that, now, which is, brings up a good follow-up question. Sure. Will he? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'll be, I, seems like someone should be paying attention. I'm wh- sure they will be. I believe when Phil came out with his statement today refuting the allegations that he attempted to bet on the Ryder Cup, I, I he did make mention about how he is – He's in gambling addiction rehab. He's doing taking all these steps. Oh, you know. Okay, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I, not. Yeah, I, I mean, again, this this could be a real who could say type scenario. Well, I've seen videos that are like pretty widely circulated online that are him gambling on golf courses. Like, yeah, like he's speaking another language. Yeah, there's a great story that I. Uh, I'm like, I, well, I was, I'm like paying attention. Like, what the? What I can't remember which about? reporter it was from the Action Network that had a great story about Phil Mickelson, where like. They were at a PGA, tur- no, PGA tournament, and he invited a whole bunch of reporters and other people to like watch this big boxing match that was taking oh, place. Oh, it was like Saturday an night. MMA match or a it boxing match. MMA yeah, or a yeah, boxing yeah. match. I, I think I've told this story on I've the heard podcast about before. This. Yeah, basically he invited all these people and he just like, just hey, awesome. everybody, like, I'll take this person at these odds if anybody wants uh, anybody wants any action. And he just walked around to everybody and like they'd be like, damn, Phil Mickelson wants to place a bet with me. Like, sure, like I'll hell yeah, like okay, yeah, like yeah, I'll, I'll bet with Phil. Phil uh, wins up. Phil cleans up. Well, you know, as soon as like the fight's over, collects and just walks out. And See like, you guys. Thanks for the cash. Thanks for the cash. See you tomorrow. Pro- probably came up that night like up like twenty G's. Probably more than that. Maybe, maybe. I, Based on the numbers, he's dealing that you with were a lot of reporters dropping. that are willing to bet like a hundred dollars, right? You know, so who, who who knows? Oh my god! So there were. Do you think that w- were there any pros or was it just? I, this is a real who. Could I was not. Say. The, it, 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 it's, it's a real who could say, but um, Damn. yeah, Phil in the hot. I, I will say this. I, I do hope feel he like learns to like enjoy something else. Like, 
I don't know if that's possible when golfing is like your main skill set and then it's also the thing that you're like confidently able to bet on like golfing. <laughs> I don't know if this all of this stuff actually makes me like Phil Mickelson more. And I, I'm not not to say that I like a guy that's, you know, like a dirtbag that's doing that kind of stuff, but it just kind of reminds me that Phil's like a pretty, pretty complex, complex dude. He's I go in waves at one point, like when he when he was up and he won. Yeah, I was. It's so as exciting. Up. Yeah, it's it's as exciting as anything. And I think the whole live thing that's been going on the last couple of years has, you know, understandably, a lot of golf fans have soured on Phil yeah. Mickelson. Um, but it made me think, like, man. He was in the throes of just what sounds like some of the most like the most vicious gambling addiction possible and is simultaneously still one of the best most. golfers in the entire world who's still winning major championships and was competing during the bulk of his career against the best golfer of all time it's and crazy. still getting as much recognition and success as he was like he's a stick obviously but he's also like a huge lover of the game which i feel like i got a lot of tips from his videos on youtube sure. like watching like his flop shots are like heralded like i mean they, yeah he's probably get, and i think i heard tiger woods once say that especially early in their careers he did not like phil mickelson like at all yeah yeah like there was a, there was like a deep personal dislike for phil and it was mainly centered around the fact that Tiger couldn't believe how fucking naturally talented Phil was. Yeah, he, like he he would be very honest, being like Phil has more naturally he is a naturally a better golfer than I am, and I'm the best golfer of all time. The but only he, other person he said that about was like John Daly too. But he would get so frustrated because be like this motherfucker doesn't work at all. He just is like good and just runs off being good. Like if he just fucking practiced and gave a shit, like he could be so much better. And like seeing him waste his talent just makes me like honestly disgusted i mean he said that the only other person i've heard tiger say that about is john daly which honestly those two dudes at this point don't seem that far off no (laughs) no but you know legends john daly's a great thing though because it kind of got me thinking like for all of his warts i think the warts are part of when it's all said and done is what i'll actually remember fondly about phil mickelson because like i feel like he harkens back to an era where all the best golfers had big personalities off the course too mm-hmm. because like, you know when golf was like, when golf was at its most popular right in the 50s 60s 70s like professionally every one of those you know, almost every one of those guys was like a big personality and like there wasn't enough yeah. way to like make money just off what they were earning in golf tournaments so they had to be you know they had to have personalities outside of golf they had to go do stuff and like you know they just were more or less they just kind of had to be interesting guys to get people to you know, sign up, you know, bring them in, you know, pay them for events and things yeah, like that. Yeah, promotions, use them as, like, um, yeah, they were, marketing. Yeah, they, they were showmen. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, They, they, they sure. weren't just golfers. They were showmen. And Phil seems like he, in a way, is kind of the last of a dying breed. Because yeah. a lot of the dudes that play on tour now, I'm sure most of them are extremely nice guys. I'm sure m- some of them are total assholes. Totally. Like, like in anything else. Um, but, man, it feels like they're all pretty boring dudes. That's why when you see someone like like Minwoo Lee, and you're like, all right, yeah. this guy's yeah, put it in my veins, serious dude. Yeah. like this is excellent to watch. And like, take it or leave it. I'm not a big Bryson fan, but like, he brought this element to golf that didn't exist. Where totally. it was like, you know, I think his personality sucks, <laughs> but the fact that he has a personality at all, yeah, I, is awesome. Most of these dudes are pretty surgical. Where this is like, they're, I mean, different than the 50s or 60s. This is like, you know, they themselves are a celebrity and have celebrity that is monetized on mm-hmm. an insane level. Like yeah. you, if Phil's making 60 million, you know, and like he was, he was the face for a bunch of brands. You immediately associate him with certain brands, you know, KPMG and like Ford motors, dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Galloway. Like he's, I don't know. He's, I agree. He's got this, like a personality that it does bring excitement to the game. And, you know, just being really, really good at golf is it is great and it's super entertaining, but it's always more entertaining when somebody's really, really good at golf and they have like a intensity or like a, an X factor about them. You know, like Scotty Scheffler's a great golfer, but he's literally like has the personality of like a pair of khakis. <laughs> like I'm he's a nice guy. He's super nice. Like I don't have any, you know, but just boring. And like Scotty Scheffler is nice people. He's a nice person, but he's, he's a nice he's a nice person, but like it also he's nice in a way that's not totally the way that we normally say nice. 
No, he's he's like I feel like he's like very, he's actually the dictionary definition of like just nice. My man is has got. I don't mean that in like a, it, it. I guess can't be taken in a good way. Having the personality of a pair of khakis, but it's not <laughs> yes, like it that doesn't mean he's bad or mean or anything no. like that. It just means that there's not a whole. Ask lot Jim Harbaugh, going. dude. Khakis are great. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, he he. He is for sure the khaki man. The khaki he wears king, them dude. things up high too, like full waist level khakis. That uh, but there's so when you get a golfer like Minwoo Lee or somebody who just shows like some pop, and you're like, I want this person to be good because I want to be entertained by this. Mm-hmm. And like Tiger didn't fit in that box from like that that side. He was just so raw, ridiculously good at golf that it was like, yeah, this is the most entertaining golf I've ever seen. He doesn't need to be like John Daly character, you know. But you know. John Daly is. I'm looking forward to this documentary that comes out. I think Jonah Hill is playing him. Is that true? Or maybe that's don't don't quote me on that. But I, I saw. Admittedly, was, even though I'm the golf guy, I actually don't know anything about this John Daly. I doc. heard that there was a John Daly. I don't know if it's like docudrama. Or, or is like, it kind of like the Winning Time thing? With I'm, like, I don't know, but I heard that it's like it's not fictionalized or it's just kind of like a dramatic reenactment with Jonah Hill or something. I'm I'll, not sure. I'll do a little more research here when we hit the break. Yeah, yeah, I think it's worth. I mean, if it, if that is in fact true, I can't wait to watch something like that. Yeah. So, anyway, man, yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff going on with Phil right now. Yeah, man, he's well, a wild card. Wild stuff. All he right. embraces wild card lifestyle. Absolutely. All right, we're gonna get to the fairway think tank right after this. Yeah. Today's episode of Nice Grass, Nice People is proudly presented by Suave Golf, purveyors of golf apparel and accessories that keep you looking and feeling suave. Additionally, Suave Golf is also the hosts and organizers of some of the best golf sabbaticals around. If you go to suavegolf.com and click on sabbaticals, you can see the trips that we have upcoming, which include the second annual Barefoot Classic next month on Saturday, September 23rd at Benna Valley Golf Course. We are also hosting the Bandon Spring Jamboree at Bandon Dunes Golf Resort next March of 2024. We still have about 10 spots left for the Spring Jamboree up at Bandon Dunes. And then being posted here in the next month or so, we are also going to be taking a large group to Sand Valley Golf Resort in central Wisconsin, where we are going to play two brand new golf courses, including Sedge Valley, designed by Tom Doak, and The Lido. The historical golf course designed by Charles Blair McDonald back in 1914 has been brought to life, and we are going to go play it as part of a trip with Suave Golf next October. Those dates are October 7th through the 11th. So please keep your eyes peeled. As soon as we post that and make it available on the Suave Golf website, we will let you know via this podcast and our various social media platforms. So if you like visiting awesome golf courses and you like looking and feeling good while you do it, I encourage you and invite you to visit SuaveGolf.com. All right, back to the pod with Andrew. All right, we're back. Um, All right, man. We're going to try to debut a new little segment here. I'm going to call this the old Fairway Think Tank. Hell yeah. And this was this was inspired by a group of us that were playing uh, last weekend. Just bringing up just kind of random golf topics, just kind of some etiquette base, some yeah. just, you know, again, this is a think tank, man. There's no there's no rules. No, okay? this, we're, we're, this we're just trying to this is this is mental exploratory practicing where yeah. we're we're just trying we're just trying to come up with some stuff that maybe some other people aren't finding. I I don't know. What 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 do you envision the Fairway Think Tank being? I think well, credit to Tom Kauf because he came up with this idea and or the name for it. And it is, I think, best summarized by the conversations that you have about not golf while you walk down the fairway to your drives. Mm. And that's when, like, you know, you got some time to, like, chop it up and tell a story or something like that. And I feel like the, the fairway think tank is, like, where questions that are not exclusive to golf are welcome. Sure. And it's, it just becomes a great conversational, like, period of time when you have that little gap or the longer walk to your ball or you know from the from the tee box of the green or whatever you just yeah it's a it's the fairway think tank man just gives you a minute to just really start to prophesize yeah absolutely so question when you're walking down the fairway and you're actually playing with somebody that you don't know right maybe you just get paired up with somebody but they're Mm -hmm. friendly and you guys are to get to talking yeah what's like uh what's your what do i ask do you guys like hot sauce yeah what's your pickup line you guys like hot sauce? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always like... By the way, everybody the, listening, Yeah, hotdropsauce.com. Hotdropsauce.com. If you like flavor and you like hot sauce... If you want a little get, zest in your chest? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let us help, you know? Yeah, That's absolutely. what we're here for. We're here to help you play with your food, okay? Especially in this economy, you need to be enjoying... You need to be enjoying 150% of your food, <laughs> not just 100%, and we can help with that extra 50. Mm-hmm. Maybe what, more. What percentage of the people you talk to are just like, yeah, no, I'm not a hot sauce person? 
honestly, like there's a there's a decent amount. They're always it's kind of always in the older demographic, or it's just people who are like, I just can't handle spice. But that's cool because I have an answer for that, and that's the knot sauce, which is just a hot sauce made personally with. endorsed by the host of the Nice Grass Nice People podcast <laughs> and his son <laughs> and, and, and and young Gael. Honestly, a lot of children everywhere really love the knot sauce. It's like they're treating it like ketchup. We love to see it. You know, a little postbiotic content for the gut. It's always good in the growth. So when you get, and when kids are honest, like if it, they'll say stuff without being, in, you know, mean, if they're like, like if a kid calls you fat, it hurts more. It's happened. Yeah. Like I know, you know, like it's, it hurts. And like, but at the same time, they're just being totally honest. Like yeah. there's nothing, they just have no filters. So when they say they like something, that's a dub. That's Big a dub. Big time. So, so if you don't like spice, but you like flavor, we got you. Yeah. Okay? It yeah. doesn't have to be spicy for you to enjoy it. And what we come to find is that most everybody does enjoy it anyway because it's hot sauce flavor. So if you like garlic, peppers, onions, carrots, little spices, mm-hmm. some stuff I can't name. Well, I mean, <laughs> legally I can name it. I just won't, <laughs> you know. But it's, yeah. So hot drop sauce. If you like hot sauce, holla at your boy. I'll send you a little handwritten card. If they don't seem like hot sauce people, what are, I'm trying to figure out, like, what are, like, the most common non-golf things that, like, people talk about when they're out playing golf? You always ask the same shit, like, where are you guys from here? Or are you guys, uh, where, do you, where do you live? You know, and, oh, yeah. And then you try to, you know, f- probably some kind of restaurant comes up at some point where you're, oh, yeah, there's a great, you know, coffee shop or there's a really awesome bakery over there. <laughs> I feel like a lot of, like, especially, like, the last couple months, uh, been a lot of, like, movie talk. Yeah, well, I don't it's know if it's just because we're you know we're, we're you know coming out of the the Barbenheimer phenomenon, but I don't think we're even coming out of it yet. I think it's very much still it's going. I haven't seen either. If I'm being totally candid, I have not seen either as well. I I intend on seeing both. Yeah, yeah. Certainly want to see Oppenheimer in the theater. Barbie. Yeah. Maybe I'll see in the theater. Maybe I'll see it when yeah when it comes out on video. But I mean, yeah, both are getting overwhelmingly positive reviews, and so I mean, I'm obviously I'm invested, but the movie scene has been more prevalent as a result of those i mean you in the salvation impossible I, I i did I, solo trip I, i've seen probably the two best action movies of the year so far solo i love that at like 9 45 p.m showings and they were both like three hours long if you haven't first of all if you haven't gone to a movie by yourself let me tell you what it is a treat it really is. It's so awesome. Like people, I know some people are like, oh, I can't believe like people go eat dinner like at a restaurant by themselves. Also, phenomenal experience. Take yourself on a date. You deserve it. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Movies though, I don't know what it is. It's just like this period of time where you just get to tune out. There's no, you're not talking to anybody. You're not expected to. It's it's great. It's just great. And obviously, if you're if you, I mean, if you're similar to both of us. You probably go to a corner store or a Seven Eleven and pick up a pack of of gummies or candy of your choice. Large bag of sour skittles. I'm not buying any. That's my, that's I'm not my. buying any movie snacks in this economy. <laughs> Get real. No, no, sir. Plus, they don't have like practicality. Always wins, dude. They don't have sour sketty or like you know the things I need. So, yeah, yeah milk duds aren't cutting it anymore, man. Those are good though. Shout <sighs> out to remember, milk duds. Do you remember when our our buddy Mark told us that it was a great idea to buy a huge box of Whoppers? Were you there? Yeah, I, I tried to eat a few of them. I like those things; just taste like styrofoam. <laughs> styrofoam covered in chocolate. I feel like I'm eating like you know when you go to like a Michael's or like a model shop, and you gotta be like when you're a kid, you had to do a diorama of space. To me, Whoppers feel like one of those styrofoam balls covered in chocolate. You know what they honestly taste like to me is Dust. so when I when I lived in the Far East, when, yeah, I, when, when I lived in Seoul, you were you were kind enough to come out and visit for you know. <sighs> For you know a substantial amount of days, we wouldn't had a great time. It. Wouldn't miss it. 2014. What a time. What a time. Um, remember when you go when you go out drinking in Korea? They always have those little like barely bar snacks that are yeah. basically they just taste Sardines. like air. <laughs> yeah. No, they just taste like air. They're oh like yeah, little, little crunchy things. That they have no flavor. They're just basically like they have the consistency of styrofoam, but it's just like a little bar snack. Yeah, yeah. I just think Whoppers are those covered in chocolate. Hmm. I guess I'm. I wish I could remember like what they call them. In Korea, it's I just remember eating years the now, dried fish. We ate little dried, the dried little fish. That was tiny, tiny little dried anchovies. Yeah, while while drinking like tons of light beer. It's pretty sick. Honestly, <laughs> it's, it's, it's right. <laughs> I miss it, man. I really, I uh, really miss it a lot. It's, I think about great. it a lot. If you haven't gone to South Korea, destination. I, highly recommend. And if you are going, reach out to Suave Golf on uh, on Instagram or you know, like I said, hit us at Nice Grass Nice People at Gmail. I've got a lot of intel to share. This if, is if anybody finds tank. themselves deep in the Orient and they need some some good good tips on enjoying them, to, you know, enjoying their time in Seoul, 
I am one of your guys. Yeah, for sure. I can I can attest to this situation. It was a truly an excellent experience. I, st- I still go back pretty regularly. Yeah, I know. I've it's on my list to go back to pretty high because I had an unexpectedly awesome time. I didn't really have expectations, I suppose. I didn't know what to expect. And so everything we did and all the places we went, it was just everything was so interesting Mm -hmm. and different and awesome. And like, I've traveled a pretty fair amount, but Seoul is like a different place. Like it is, it, it is so unique in so many ways and like strangely industrial and charming at the same time. It's just cool. It's a very, like a a very grungy Tokyo. Yeah. Very dirty, grungy Tokyo. I haven't been to Tokyo with like totally different food and different culture and everything, but you know, but honestly, like I remember we went to that ramen spot and that place was fire. That was fire. Yeah, There's like a lot of great food, not just green, but a lot of great. I mean, it's, it's like any metropolitan city with thirty million people, right? It's just going to be a lot of good stuff all over the place. You just got to find it. I mean, I feel like this is like before the the heavy Korean influence of food that we see now. Like, this was like back when if you pulled out kimchi, people would probably be like, "What? Like that's you what? know." Now it's like, why, why does this room smell like ass all the time? Yeah, and now <laughs> it's like you don't eat kimchi like three times a day. What's up with you? Like you don't you don't know about goju Yeah, I'll like, say, you don't you even respect your gut, dude. What's up? Yeah, so it's like, but it's true. I mean, I guess I would put myself in that that like basket a little bit too. But man, I will say I've done some preliminary prep. I can't imagine this happening any earlier than twenty twenty five. Please but tell me what you're gonna. When say. I started Suave Golf, yes, my goal was always to have like a couple of domestic trips to like great destinations in the states and then ultimately i want to get to the point where we always have one really cool international trip that we put together that people can sign up for and yeah i'm telling you when i started suave golf i knew for a fact that i wanted to put together a korean golf trip and i wanted to have it be like a week-long thing where it's just a mix of playing great golf because they do have great golf in korea it's a little spread out but they have great golf there yeah granted it's very expensive for sure but then also like being able to use my experience to actually be able to take people to all the best food, yeah. take them to do stuff they wouldn't find. Just basically have like a golf trip with a lot of fun extracurriculars for like seven to ten days. I, I can't promise it's going to happen in 2025, but what I will guarantee is that Suave Golf will have that on the itinerary at some point in the next five or six years. I mean, you know how I feel about chirping around golf ideas in places and destinations, so mm-hmm. I think that sounds incredible. Plus, the golf scene in korea is we'll be playing a lot of screen golf which is crazy it's it's everywhere i don't have an exact figure but given that every neighborhood in seoul and a neighborhood you know is not very big in seoul sure um i mean there's probably two thousand neighborhoods in the one city yeah every neighborhood's got at least one if not several that's like screen golf like screen golf place i mean it's just again golf i don't know how much it's changed in the last few years but golf is wildly expensive in korea yeah. Um and for most people to live there, screen golf is quite literally the only option. Golf, yeah, the only golf that they can afford. Yeah, for sure. And it's fun as hell. <laughs> Dude, I mean it's yeah, it's it's an impressive industry over there for sure. That was long before the Trackman hype up here. Oh yeah. Like over here as well. It was super sophisticated, super fun, and then you just go next door and get like the best food you've ever had. Yeah. And then you know, a lot of times screen golf is in like the third basement because you know <laughs> so many of the places over there are just like you know huge like office buildings that just yeah. have like you know five or six stories underground and like you know thirty stories up top. No, it's like no, you go go three stories down, play screen golf for a couple hours, head up to the the first floor, eat dinner, and then go to the bar that's up on the second. You, you could have just seven straight hours of obnoxiously good times in a building in a single building <laughs> with many 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 different establishments being patroned it, 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 oh man it's just so great it's uh yeah i i would love that i think it would be an awesome combination of your experience living there and your golf experience overall and then being able to create another experience for people who could not do those two things separately like that sounds i feel so, like that's so it, cause I, I know the neighborhoods again I, as i mentioned before I, I still go back to seoul every year my father-in-law still lives there yeah. my wife my wife loves korea uh my son yeah. Weirdly enough, even though he's only two years old, loves Korean food. So easy, easy for us. Easy. Um, so I, I still actually have a pretty good beat on like, you know, the cool places to go and, and spend your time and stuff like that. So if I could put all that to good use and bring a, a group of, of golf lovers to the deep east. Yeah, man. The deep east. The deep east for just a ten days of just awesome food and, and good golf. Nobody's gonna regret that trip. That sounds like my kind of party. So I I, I look oh. forward to being able to put that together. So if you're listening and that sounds like a lot of fun to you. Just make sure to check the Suave Golf website 
every day for the next five or six years, and eventually you will see something. I think that's a totally responsible suggestion. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, I don't know. Anything else from the Fairway Think Tank that we needed to hit? I mean... I mean, did you get some? Que- you get any questions from people who? What oh yeah, I, I did. Uh, I know we got some. I reached out to the masses today via social media. We love know, that, which I'm a little bit of a novice on. You know, as, as we're working you, on it, but dude. we're working on it. You know, we're we're trying we're trying to find our groove. You know, I I am. We the, just want to. I'm share. the proverbial golf Stella. I'm trying to get my groove. All right, dude, you are. We're finding it, dude. It's not even that. You, you will find it. Dude. I will find. Yeah, I, I will. I will find it. Eventually. I think you have to have it originally to get it back. Sure. As Stella did, but. <laughs> All right, so uh, first one here, Shitpaw on Instagram is that has asked, does Whiting have a partner for the Barefoot Classic? Hmm. This seems strategic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually a free agent. I've been a free agent, you know. Uh, I would play with Kyle, but he has to manage the actual tournament. So uh, we'll see if some of the buddies come from the, the, the land of Ventura down south. Mm-hmm. Would love to see a return of some of the Ventura boys, and even in addition of more, because there's a solid crew down there from the uh, the Soul Park contingent. No doubt. But um, you know, it's just kind of a TBD thing. You know, I'm just like, I got to work out the eye. There's a lot of things in front of that decision. Okay, Shitpaw, respect. There's a lot of things to go. I mean, again, uh, Shitpaw, I believe, is a gentleman who is participating in the Barefoot Club. I don't know if he's just trying to solicit you. He is. Okay. All right. That's good to know. It's an interesting move considering how I play in tournaments. Interesting to have him play this through the media, you know, <laughs> to, to, to really, you know, to take this, you know, okay. from going from yeah. in-house to actually putting it out into a public wow. forum like this. I, I wonder. There's strategic I would, play, I would yeah. love to know the strategy behind this. So let's go to our second question. You know what? There's four here, but is it, let's make this our last one because I know uh, it's getting a little, it's yeah. getting late early here. So we'll, we'll wrap up on this. Uh, on Instagram, one Ben J. Burwell mm. asks, what's better? A drive smash down the middle and making par two putts. You know, so we're getting a, making a Hogan, mm-hmm. you know, fairway green, two yeah, putts. Yeah, on reg. Or cracking an ice cold beer with the boys on the tee and then nobody hits the fairway at all. <laughs> I, I don't really know where he's going with this question, but I really like it. I think the answer is there's a time and place for both of these things to there's happen. Absolutely. And they always do. Usually if it doesn't go off the tee. I'm more likely to crack the beer right away, you know. Mm-hmm. Just gotta like get some positivity flowing. Oh yeah, big time. But what feels better? I feel like one involves beer and one doesn't, so I'm probably gonna go with the latter. That's true. I feel like I just want to. I can always make a birdie somewhere. Well, I'd like to think I can make a birdie somewhere yeah, down the line to make up. Dude, to, 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 make, to make up. The answer uh, to his question is yes. Yes. They are both. Yeah. The best. The best. Why? Yeah. Why choose? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. Well, shout out to Ben, honestly. Shout out to Ben. Good man. Friend of really the program. Really hit us with a mind mixer there at the end. <laughs> Smart. It's a strategic play as well. He's already, playing, he's already playing mind games that we're going to play at some point in the next two weeks. It's a hell of a way to go out. It is. Um, all right, man. Let's let's put a wrap on this. Uh, as we mentioned very briefly in this podcast, we were going to talk a little bit about the FedEx Cup playoffs. Mm. Uh, for, you know, trick trivia. Quick trivia question: As somebody who loves golf, plays multiple days a week, <laughs> what is? Do you know what? Do you know anything about the PGA Tour playoff event going on right now? Not a thing. If I told you it was a <laughs> TPC Southwind, what's your guess as to what city and state that's located in? Um, <laughs> I don't fucking uh, TPC Southwind. I like the the potential reality that that's in South Carolina. I mean, it's not a bad guess. They're but playing it's wrong. In, it yeah, is wrong, though. It, it, it is, it is <laughs> okay. in fact, pretty wrong. Uh, <laughs> Indulge me. What is they, it? They are playing in Memphis, Tennessee, Man, dude, the home of FedEx, because they are the sponsor, so they get to choose where the, the playoff events go to. Memphis. Shout out to Young Dolph. <sighs> Who's that? R.I.P., dude. He's a rapper. You don't know. It's tough. Yeah, dude, I didn't know that at all. I didn't know that Memphis had a um, a serious top tier golf situation. I don't know. Yeah, well. I just I I, I wish Southwind. I had more time to pay attention, but I just the time I have, I just want to go play. Honestly, man, for me yeah. as somebody who like actually loves professional golf, totally, I just could not fucking care less right now. I th- as soon as the Open Championship was done, and again, it's kind of tough as somebody that's hosting a golf podcast because. The easy thing to do if you host like a golf show or you do is just to follow pro golf, right? Because there's yeah a tournament going on every week. There's always content to like new talk topic, about and yeah. stuff like that. But you know what, man? Like, just 
I don't care right now. There's a lot like, of people. I, doing it, that. It, it, it's hard. It, it's it's you know. It's like I'm a little ashamed to say, but like right in this moment, I just really don't care. I don't and think so, that's. Yeah, I mean, it's your prerogative. If it's not exciting, the good news is this. This is actually my slash our podcast. Yeah, you so we don't really have to talk about it if we don't want to. Which is we literally do whatever you want, man. We talked about holidays and food. What what else? We hit some serious burner topics today. I was all about that. <laughs> we were really we were really in our A game. We today. were jumping. Yeah, but it was uh it was honestly that this. I think this podcast could be best described as very similar to what a fairway think tank. This is yeah. This is a big. Fair, this is a big fairway think. We didn't episode. do it over the course of four hours. We did it over the course of one hour. But this is. I mean, not too far. These conversations don't stray too far from what we would be talking about out there. Yes. So, I mean, we're out there with nice people, and you're on nice grass. Playing a nice game, man. It's <laughs> what, a nice what, game. What is there to not like? We, had a, we got a nice dog there and here. I mean... Well, I'll say let's 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 finish this podcast properly. Let's you know, even though this is an audio format only, nice little handshake here with you, Absolutely. Otis, my dog. Little handshake from you, sir. Yep, there it is. Nice, thank you very much. Give me that handshake between father and son. Good boy. It's great etiquette, everybody. Yeah, keep your eye out for the young master, Otis. He'll be caddying when you see me out on the links. That's Us. right. Well, my dude. Yes. It's been a pleasure. Always. I am really looking forward to driving over to your house tomorrow when I get the text message that the irons have arrived so I can be there yeah. with my son mm-hmm. for the unboxing. This is something I really want him to see. This, is, this, is, this. this is important for his mental development. So we both look forward to being at your casa tomorrow for what could only be you know, probably the best holiday we've had in many years. Could be a 20-minute lecture on the importance of a pitching wedge. Can't promise. Again, it. these are things that young guys sir Lord just just has to know. Like <laughs> these are He's absorbing information faster than ever. We need to make sure we present the good stuff. Okay? Always. Always. All right, on that note, mm-hmm. everybody. Have a fabulous day. Mm-hmm. Fabulous evening, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, and uh look forward to seeing you next time. Absolutely. Get out there and go play some golf. And honestly, take yourself to a damn movie. Okay? Get some Skittles. Adios.